Hi, it's Chris Watkin here, and I'm joined to today by the Bruce Brothers, uh, synonymous and well-known in the industry of the founders of Purple Bricks, uh, and now the founders of Boomin. Thank you for joining me today, gentlemen. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank Great you. to be here. What I want to do today is to get to know you guys a little bit better. Uh, we've had a lot of interaction with each other in the last 18 months, and I've got to know you, but I'd like, I think the audience would like to know a bit more about the Bruce Brothers. Is that okay with you? Is it okay with you? Brilliant. Excellent. That's okay with us. Good stuff. I think I want to start with is, if you don't mind me saying, the pair of you, it's quite unique to have brothers working together uh, in any industry, but especially in this one, and, and such high-profile brothers. Uh, what, what's it like working with Kenny every day? And then I'll ask the same back. Well, <laughs> it, it's unique, definitely. Uh, my brother here, he's looking like Ted Bovis today. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it's a privilege, actually, because, I mean, when you work with... Uh, there's uh, someone who's a who's not only a colleague but a friend. He's a member of the family. All, all of those sorts of things. There's a real advantage because we complement each other. Because neither of us really concentrate on exactly the same thing, so we never step on each other's toes a great deal. Uh, you can always expect brutal honesty from your brother. So it's the best way to actually you know, progress. If you want to run a fast growth business, then you definitely do need to surround yourself by people who are going to say it as it is, and they often do. He often does. Always. Did you work together before Purple Bricks? Yeah. Yes. So, so when did you originally come together and work together? So I, I started in estate agent in 1992, uh, and I've been in estate agent for Oh God! All, all of my working life, and why? Why the, is that? Why? Why did you become an estate agent? I just fell into it. I was I wasn't really academic. Didn't really like university or the idea of that type of uh, background. And I left school, worked on some building sites, and there was an opportunity. My my father was working with Countrywide on some on some consultancy bits. Michael, while he was at university, was doing some work with Countrywide on some bits, and there was a job advert in the paper, and I applied for it. and managed to get. An interview and, and that's how it started. So you started at the bottom as an egg? Absolutely, yeah, in the North End office in Portsmouth and loved every minute of it, it was amazing. Well, well it you... started off where he, uh, you didn't get through the first interview, did you? No, that's right, yes, yeah, so the first interview, I got, got to a second interview and then got declined for the job and I came home, wasn't, didn't have a car at the particular time and Michael said you should do a letter to Sean Manzi who was the managing director of Man and Co South East at the time, so I walked back up the road after Michael, me and Michael put the letter together, I hand-delivered it, and by the time I'd walked home, Sean Manzi was on the phone saying nobody had ever, nobody had ever done a letter after being declined for a job, and I'd like you to call and see Steve Fennell down at Portsmouth. What did the letter say? Just to say thanks very much for the opportunity, really enjoyed the experience of the interview, really now I'm, I'm inspired to become an estate agent, I love, the, love what I heard and everything you told me about the business and what I'd like to do, and I'd like to be considered for any roles in the future. Were you surprised that you got a reply back? Very, that quickly as well. I got literally within 10 minutes of walking home, I, he was on the phone, his secretary was on the phone to say that Sean was very impressed with the letter and uh, would like you to go and see the area manager in Portsmouth. Do you think you would be here today if you had that, hand to, that letter had to taken place? Uh, probably not, but, I, but following the interview process, I was definitely very keen by the, 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 the activity and I walked into the, 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 the Man & Co South East 
uh, branch in Heath, and there was a buzz. Everyone was on the phone. Everyone was engaging. There was customers coming in. It was 1992, you know what I mean? It felt like a really vibrant place, and it really excited me. So had I probably not got that job, I would have tried to get a job in the estate agency somewhere else. But luckily, because Michael gave me advice to, um, to do the letter, uh, I was able to get the role off the back of that, really. Who's the, what's the age difference between the pair of you? 18 I know months. it doesn't look that much, but it's only 18 months. Yeah, it is, yeah. I'm younger than Michael. Okay. So, so what were you doing at this point, then? So at that point, I was uh, at university studying law. Um, so uh, Kenny came back, uh, said that he hadn't got the opportunity. So I, well, we just said, you can't really give that up then. Why don't you write a letter? Well, let's write a letter and uh, go and deliver it back and see whether or not they, they, they think that's important. So to your, to your point, it would be very interesting to see where the direction would have gone it's for all of us. Sliding doors moment. Off the back it, you know the old film, Sliding Doors? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it definitely felt like that. And when I first had my first day, I walked in and my training was, here's, here's an applicant box. These people in here are looking for a house to buy. Here's a folder. These are our houses we have to sell. You've got to ring those people and match them to those houses and get a viewing. And I sold a house in my first day, 65 Nelson Avenue, my very first day I managed to get a viewing that evening, sold it for 29995 and that was the rest is history, really. Obviously, we're here to talk about your relationship as brothers, but I believe there's more Bruce's out there, aren't there, in terms of siblings? Yeah, there's six of us in total. Okay. So Kenny's the youngest, next comes myself, and then we've got four sisters. Um, we all get on like a house on fire, um, we're all good friends, we have WhatsApp groups where we talk to each other and engage with each other a lot. So, you know, our father and, and mother were always very clear that, you know, we needed to stay together, we'd be really strong with each other, work, be, be best friends really, and we always have been. Yeah, that's absolutely the, the case that Michael's certainly my best friend. And our father, before he passed away, unfortunately passed away two months before Purple Bricks launched and he'd sort of seen us sort of building the technology and building the, the creative adverts and those types of things. He died two months before we launched and he always said to me that, look, you guys are, can be successful on your own, but there's a, there's a sort of a dynamic between the two of you that actually if you stay together, I think you complement each other and, and we'll go on and achieve so, some good so, things. So when did your dad actually say that? Uh, say that said that probably many many years ago actually probably when we first went into business at, yeah. at uh, um, Michael had a law firm and when we decided to buy to buy Virtual Edwards together in the Midlands uh, my father seen the dynamic of us grabbing hold of that business and changing mm -hmm. it and tweaking it and whatever and and he, and he very much thought there was a, a dynamism there that could work. You mentioned your mum and dad um, are they both it's quite well known that you know you, you you're from Northern Ireland isn't it? So we were born in Lancashire. Okay. Um, we weren't there very long. Kenny was only there months or so. I yeah. was there about 18 months, two years. And then uh, we then went to Ireland. All six of us, my parents split up. So therefore, my mother was from Ireland. Her parents lived in Ireland, so we travelled back there. We lived in this uh, uh, three little three-bedroom house with uh, our grandparents. That's been Lan or? That's right. Yeah. Um, until our council house was built, they were building them at the time, and then we moved into it. It was like a lovely little palace, actually brand new, wasn't it? It was brilliant, yes. The seven of us living in that little small house was quite something. And that was in the 70s, was it? Uh, yes, yeah. right, that's right, it was, yeah. Okay, so what did your, what did your mother teach you, the pair of you? Oh, lots. She's still teaching us, isn't she? <laughs> yes. She's the matriarch of the family, that is for sure. Okay. But I, think, I, think, I, think, I think from my mum's side, it was definitely 
hard work, fight for everything, uh, be determined, don't give up, because that she had that mentality. She brought up six children virtually on her own. My father was very supportive, but lived in England, of course. Uh, and she she battled really hard to make sure her six kids were all good, decent people. She still does today. She's uh, very active. Uh, she contacts us all the time. She, she, she's brilliant. So uh, to Kenny's point, we spent a lot of our childhood with grandparents. So, you know, they, they were all of those principles. And then my father was more of the entrepreneurial side of what we do. And, you know, to, to some extent, the risk um, uh, that you take in trying to uh, grow a business that came from him and his side of the family. Uh, the other more balanced, more sensible side came from them. What line of business was your dad in? So dad was a barrister and then he had various businesses there after. Uh, at one stage he was a, uh, a senior lecturer in law at universities. So he did various things, but it, later in life he was running businesses. And, and even earlier, before he decided to go back to university and, and pass his degree to be a lawyer and then a barrister thereafter, in his early days when we were very young, oh, so I wasn't he, he did, born. So he wasn't a lawyer to start with? No, you? no. That yeah. Originally he was, he was really involved in business. And Michael, before I was even born, was, was, was sitting in boardrooms where my father worked for somebody. Sir Fred Ponting was one of the people he originally worked for. Uh, and he was on the board many, many, many years and years ago. And Michael would go to board meetings and sit there with his with his suit on. And that's where I think Michael really got that entrepreneurial desire to to grow businesses was off those really early experiences of attending meetings with my father and actually flying around, yeah, flying around places, the world. Yeah. So he used to take me, plonk me at the end of the table, and I'd just sit there and uh, listen. listen. Uh, I suspect some of it went in, most of it didn't. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was interesting. Do you think, I mean, you know, you've, you've run a, a um, you've been responsible, you know, especially with you at the head of the firm, for running a, a business that was worth over a billion pounds worldwide. Do you think some, do you think you could have done that if you hadn't sat in with your father in those boardrooms? Because some of it must have filtered through. Oh, without doubt, it filtered through, and then it was followed up. So, you know, a lot of what we learned from, uh, a lot of what you learn from people isn't always just the positives. It's to often the, the vast majority comes through the more difficult um, things that they do wrong or get get wrong, and you learn a lot from that. So, I think that if you take the balance of what I got or what we got and what he continued to create thereafter. Mm -hmm then it was a without doubt the case. Because if we'd have been one balance of, you know, my granddad would have been horrified that we were running this large business or taking any form of risk. He was totally risk adverse. He yeah. was, you know, go to work, work really hard. Is, uh, is that your dad's dad or your mum's dad? Mum's dad. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, he'll be sitting up there looking down and one day he'll be, he'll be smiling and and then other day I was saying, you must be absolutely crazy. <laughs> so, you know, when you take both balances, that, that's sort of our personality. So we sort of complement and balance some of that risk and some of that, uh, you know, personality and all sorts of stuff together. I think, I think, I think uh, just to add to that if I can, is that the entrepreneurial flair definitely came from my father's side. The hard work and, and, and dedication came from my mother's side. But actually, there's a common theme across both parents in regards to keep your feet on the floor, yeah. have empathy, consider, be considerate towards people. Both of them were good people in that regard. Uh, and my sisters are a great reflection of that, as we would hope to be as well. 
Okay, let's move on. Um, Michael, what would you say Kenny's biggest strength and biggest weaknesses? And then I'm going to ask the same back. So um, Kenny's biggest strength is definitely his love of people mm -hmm. and uh, to make people feel you know, good about themselves, to feel positive about situations and stuff like that. And probably his biggest flaw is people. <laughs> because to some extent, you, you, you have to compensate and balance those relationships. And over time, if, if you love people in every instance, which is great, and we both do that, but sometimes you've got, got to balance that against what, what you face at the time. A lot of people say that the early days of Purple Bricks, the 14s, the 15s, the 16s, were like a big, big family. Could we possibly say that a lot of that was down to Kenny being the cuddly one? Uh, <laughs> Trifle was cuddly. Definitely, Trifle I think cuddly. it was a balance because, you know, um, I think people like the dynamic of both. Um, so they, they like the dynamic of it being a family type culture every time we talk to people in our business we say you know the sum total of what uh, we have a town hall every every week and we always thank their family for for the effort that they're making in the background indirectly we always say the sum total of our business isn't the, just the people in it, it's only half the people in it the rest of the people at home and well, we still feel like that and you know it definitely takes us back to those days of you know the point you made about family and stuff like that we still feel like that now so when we when we run a business we try to create a culture Sometimes we get it wrong, sometimes we get it right, but ultimately the culture is really important. Because startups are hard work, and mm. the only way you can, the only way you can mm. achieve in a startup is everyone working together for the same common theme. There's a great deal of sacrifice that families put up with mm. when an employee or a team member is working with us on a startup mission. So that there's no question that, that, that thanking them and showing appreciation to them is equally as important as thanking and supporting the team. I'm going to come and ask you the, question, the same question in a yeah. second, but taking just, if you don't mind, I'd like to just go down a little rabbit hole. Do you think things changed when at Purple Bricks about this family attitude in 16 and 17 when more external influencers were being brought into the firm? Look, I don't know predominantly that answer. I think there's always going to be some people that will uh, take the view that, you know, they lived through our era of that business and enjoyed it. And there's some people that will live through the era that's been since and really enjoy it. And and therefore, they're just slightly different dynamics, slightly different businesses. So, okay, from people that I'm talking to, it's quite a seismic shift in in that organisation. And I, I don't expect you to to say anything from what I'm just making a statement, but. That, that Purple Bricks certainly did change when you guys left. It's, it's a completely different firm. But anyway, I don't expect you to say anything. Um, what's his biggest strength and weakness? Michael's got a number of strengths, but I think I have to say his work ethic, his pace of being able to juggle many things, and his work ethic Does is spin plates unbelievable. I've not seen anyone that can, can, that can compete with Michael on work ethic when he was 25 and, and now when he's, when he's nearly 50. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so yeah, he, he's got he's got a lot of skill with regards to his entrepreneurial flair and his big vision and his focus yeah, and his drive. Okay. But his hard work is definitely his biggest strength. Weakness. 
I, I would say probably runs too fast. You know what I mean? Has big, big ideas, big visions, and probably runs too fast. And I think probably in the past we haven't surrounded ourselves with maybe a level of maturity in round executives that maybe we have now that we maybe we didn't have in the future. And I think in particular Athena is a great counterbalance to Michael, our, our managing director, who in effect keeps the that the cogs moving on the day-to-day -day stuff while Michael's focused on the vision and the uh, and where we're going to go in the future. So the, Athena, she, your, you say you're MD at Booming? Yes. Okay, did you have such a person at Purple Bricks? No, so that was one week link, I think, uh, Purple Bricks for us, I think, that ultimately at the end of the day. When we started Booming, that was my first thing that I wanted to do, is find someone who could be a CEO, and MD. She didn't want to be a CEO. We offered her the opportunity to be CEO. She said, look, guys, you, you boys run this business. You'll always be recognised in that way. I don't want to be recognised in that way. I'll be MD. I'll do everything that you don't want to do, and I'll do it really well. And I think that was one of the weak links we did have uh, at Purple Bricks, was not having someone on the ground who was really good, really competent, that could drive things on a day-by-day -day basis, leaving us to do the other stuff. Yeah, th those came later in the Purple Bricks journey, but yeah. I think the great thing about it here is the foundations are in place for success beyond beyond the initial drive of, of having a startup. And I think all of those principles are now laid with Athena. And if we had some of our later execs about at PB very, very early in the journey, hmm. we'd have been better placed, I think, for success beyond what we achieved. Knowing the Knowing you for the last 18 months through Agents Together, I've got to know the both of you very well. But your personality type, one of the biggest fears is 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 being taken advantage of. And you love being in control of people. How how it's different with your brother because it's blood and you know it's there's obviously a link there, but how did you square letting go of not not control, but what well, is control, you know? Because, you know, your job is more strategic, big picture, as opposed to the day-to-day -day tactics. How, do you, how did you let go on that one? Because I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who have got one, you know, five, six branches that want to kick on to ten, but they feared letting go of the, of, of the, of the levers of power. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was never concerned about letting go levers of power in many ways. I think ultimately it's a journey because, you know, to some extent, you know, no one, there's no textbook that can teach you how to run a business. There's no textbook that will suddenly appear on a day by day basis that can help you answer questions that you might not have answers to. So, you know, in many ways earlier in the journey, I would be much more controlling over, you know, a real focus on what we're doing and, you know, away we go. I think how I've learnt over the years with a lot of the things that I haven't done very well, a lot of the things that I've got wrong, is that in order to be really successful, your success comes through others and you've got to relinquish the reins to allow that to happen. When did that actually happen? Was there a, was there a, a seismic moment or a catalyst that made you realise that? Uh, there have been times where I was at uh, Purple Bricks where I felt that um, to some extent out of my depth to a degree um, and therefore in, in many ways at times you would have been better off having other people around who could have been doing other elements which allowed you then to get better at what you're really good at. So it was important for me with Berman to make sure that you know I just concentrate on what I think I can do well 
and find someone that's brilliant doing that. And also what you're very good at, you know what I mean? That's the key thing. It's about it's about dividing and conquering, isn't it? And it's about if Michael's really particularly good at these five areas, let's make sure he focuses on those five areas because it's good for us, it's good for the team, it's good for our agents, good for our customers, and let somebody else focus on the five areas that Michael doesn't necessarily want to spend the time on or he's particularly good at. The cuddly stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's definitely more cuddly. I think. Um, I mean, you, you say you are out of your depth. Do, do have you either of you suffered from imposter syndrome? Um, I'm well, not sure I know what that means. To be honest, I'm quite, I'm quite stupid. Kind of. Really. Um, I don't deserve to be here. I'm, you know, big leaders. Oh, oh, there's or... huge insecurities in, in in my mind all the time, and I think that's insecurity probably drives me in terms of my work ethic and my desire to try and fulfilled desires and ambitions and, and, and the success of a team. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm hugely insecure in regards to whether I'm good enough to do something. So okay. probably if I had more confidence with regards to that, I'd probably achieve maybe and, a bit more. And how, I mean, you are obviously confident, Kenny. So how, does it, is it Kenny or other people that help you through that? Yeah, certainly Michael helps me with a lot of, I mean, I don't think, I think I just, because I've never been academic in terms of being able to, to really write beautiful letters and be able to, I suppose, organise really beautiful presentations. Yeah, I'm a good estate agent. I love estate agents. I love property. I love people. I love working with teams. I love building teams. But I wouldn't be the most confident on on board meetings. That's why I'm not a board member here at, 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 at Boomin. I believe that there are other people that strategically think about the business differently. I'm I believe I'm an operator. I'm, a, I'm in the trenches guy. And that's what I enjoy doing. That's what I'm good at. And that's where I can add significant value. Of course, I still play a part in the strategic element of our businesses, um, but I prefer to do that with Michael and Athena and the exec team rather than be uh, uh, maybe at the board level. You said you felt a bit out of depth. How did you sort that one out? I mean, I, you spend a lot of time reflecting on stuff. You take a lot of um, uh, people into your world to, that you trust that can talk to. So. Uh, you know, agents together as a as a business is, is is just a version of that where you get a mentor. And men I've had the pleasure of four or five different people in business that have been able to mentor you, pick up the phone to, you know, face with this situation, think about this, what do we do? And uh, some days you, you you just stop what you're doing, go and uh, sit down in a, a dark room and try and work it out. I mean, are there organisers? How does someone of a CEO of a publicly listed firm go and get a mentor, or are there people out there that mentor people? Well, I mean, I've had uh, former chairmen and mentors where they are very proactive. So in a fast growth, it's like startup business. The, you know, the people that get involved in those are often people that have the energy and the desire to really help and support the, the, the management team. So, you know, I'm still, I uh, get mentored by former chairman now who I pick up the phone to or they pick up the phone to me, we meet up and stuff like that. And then it's the people around you, I mean, Kenny and the team and, and, and as you get more and more, uh, spend more time with more people, uh, you, you, okay. you pick different people to help you through different... And uh, also experience. One yep. thing you can't buy on the internet is experience. You can virtually buy anything else. But I think achieving things, going through experiences, and also, to Michael's point, reflection. And sometimes you don't, sometimes you're too busy doing the job to reflect on the job. 
And sometimes when you leave a job and you're in between jobs, you reflect what went right, what went wrong. And I think we we both had a period of reflection in, throughout our careers. Uh, and um, I think we're, we're stronger and better people for it. OK, let's move on. Um, what's been your biggest regret in business so far? I mean, if you don't mind me saying, I'm going to plant a seed in here. OK. But surely being forced out of PB must have hurt your baby. So I, I wouldn't say that I look back uh, to the PB days with regret in that way. I think no one has a God-given right to run a business forever. You can only do it for so long as you are adding the real value. And I think that probably it's fair to say that uh, it was the right time for us to, to, to move away. I think we probably run out of energy to a degree. And, you know, the business was wanted to go in a different direction. So therefore, as a result of that... But it was your that, business, though. I know it's a limited company, but it was kind of your baby, wasn't it? I, well, to some extent, it was something that we created. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, as time goes on, you, to the point we just made earlier, you free up, you know, elements of ownership of the business because you, you know, you raise money, you go public markets, you do all of those things. And, you know, for us, you know, business is about, you know, what do you want to achieve? What's the objective? And for so long as you're following that objective, for so long as you're adding value to that objective, then I think you've got a seat at the table. But I think once you start to find that you, you, you're not doing it in the same way, you're not delivering in the same way, then I think that ultimately you've got to take responsibility, stand aside and allow other people to take the mantle and move on. Did you fall out of love with PP? Uh, I certainly didn't. No, I can't, can't speak for Michael, but I didn't. I. I carry the burden, as we both do, the responsibility of shareholders and of our team's aspirations and dreams. And we, we clearly, obviously, as you're working with a team, you, you, you live and breathe it with them, you know what I mean? So when you're steering or part of the steering committee of a business and you inspire people to follow you on a journey, that responsibility is very, very important. And we, we, we definitely see that as a positive. It's, we take that responsibility and enjoy that responsibility. But when you leave somewhere, and a number of people still believe in you and see you as, a, as an important cog in it, it's, it's, it can be, uh, it can be uh, frustrating for sure. Interesting you say that you, you, you realised, you had self-awareness that, that, that you kind of taken purple bricks to the, to the extent of where you could take it. Let's not talk about where it's got, gone since. But that takes a lot of self-awareness to be aware of that, doesn't it? I think I think it does. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, I think we've all got it in us. I mean, you've got to uh, accept, you know, where your strengths are, um, and concentrate a lot on those strengths and where your weaknesses are, and fill those gaps through other people. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, we do what we do because we love it and enjoy it and want to get somewhere, want to do something, and want to help other people, and want to find answers to problems that exist in the world, because that's what gets us out of bed. Um, what, and what do, what, but you're both different. Does it, you know, does it, you know, let's be frank, you could have retired and been sitting on a desert island. Well, probably some people would have preferred me to be <laughs> on a desert island, to be honest. Maybe, um, maybe. So, you know, maybe at the end of the day, I mean, uh, for me, it's uh, the, 
our industry is full of amazing people uh, that do a great job that are like us, just normal guys. Um, and, you know, if we can add some value to that, then that's what we want to do. We've and still I, got the energy okay. and desire to do it. Okay. And I think we can, though. I think, I think the reality is we can. I think that, as I said earlier about reflection, I think when you think about the experiences you've had in life in, and in business, and you still feel you can add significant value, then you've got to really take the chance yeah. and be involved. And I think both of us still think we've got an awful lot to offer. We've got a great team. We have galvanized that team. They're very inspired to deliver for our agent customers and for the consumers. And I think while that still is there, we've got to explore it to the nth degree to see what we can achieve. I just want to just go down the rabbit hole just one more time for Pebblebrooks. And I, I do <laughs> reserve the right to go again. Yes. But, okay, okay. But, <laughs> but that's why one of the reasons people want to watch this is, is this. Is, is, is there any choices that you look back now saying we shouldn't have made that? I, I, for one, can only say from my perspective that probably with the benefit of hindsight, both me and Michael both going off to America, probably, I think, on reflection, wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, we, we, I think if I'd have stayed in the UK, uh, I think that probably I would have been less interfering in the US and that might have been more successful. And I think I would have helped the UK exec team, management team to, 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 to be even more successful than they were. So I think both of us going for me would be something I probably would have changed with the benefit of hindsight. Michael? I think Kenny's uh, sort of hit the nail on the head in lots of ways. I think uh, ultimately, again, we... Um, failed to really appreciate the impact that we have on an organization when we're in it. So, you know, it's five years since I ran the UK business, uh, Purple Bricks, um, and us going off to, to do all the stuff in other places, both at the same time, and effectively taking that, you know, strong cultural element that we were trying to do out of the business was, was a mistake. Secondly, I think that when you do that, you also take a lot of the the real innovation that we would sit and mm. tirelessly think about how could we innovate. So the, if we'd have stayed in the UK business, we'd have probably be made a better job of more innovation and, and more development and stuff like that. So there's no, there's no one thing, no. but there's what Kenny says is definitely at the top of the list. I mean, if you don't mind me saying, I think there's some lessons here for the lessons for boys and girls in the state agency land, those that have multiple branches that go and open a second one or a third one. And a lot of time, the second one fails because the, the culture doesn't come across. And unless you're bringing either yourself or a mini-me across, I think there's lessons to be learned there with opening a second branch, or in your case. Well, the best, the best thing to, to, to always bear in mind when you start a business, whatever its size or ambition, is uh, from the day you start it, try and find a replacement. So, you know, if you do that, and you then go on to a second office, you, you then have effectively created the culture to allow you to grow. Uh, I think w one of the things, definitely to the point you made a minute ago, that I got, would get wrong is that I never thought like that day one. I'd be thinking, how can I build and grow this myself and develop it, rather than how can I find someone to replace me as quickly as possible so that we can grow and develop. And just to be clear, we, we had a great team in the UK when both me and Michael went off to the US, but I think both going at the same time without yeah, me yeah, maybe okay. staying for maybe six months a year to bed, because I had a fantastic a guy, okay. brilliant guy who, who who was working alongside me as, as the sales director. And I just think that element of me staying around, making sure, not 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 that they were up to think, to make sure that we were focusing enough time on innovation and Michael, we need to spend a bit of time here on innovation would have helped, I think. 
the classic strategy, long-term, big-picture stuff, as opposed to the, probably the day-to-day -day stuff was bang on, but you need some vision, and which is what you guys obviously yeah, were still part growing. Of. We were still growing, and we needed to continue to innovate and, and develop. And I think Michael, Michael had the view for some time, and, and like I say, Michael's five five years before, five years since he was involved in the UK business in terms of running it on a day-to-day -day basis. But Michael said two years prior to that, that our focus needs to really home in on technology and on, yeah. on, and on human beings around the buyer. How do we make sure that we look after buyers more, as well as some of the other stuff we maybe weren't doing as well for sellers? So it, had we pursued that strategy, I think that we would have been potentially more I successful. mean, you must be very proud, of, proud that, that, and again, I'm going to make a statement. I don't expect you to, to comment on the first part of this statement. But quite frankly, their marketing is a purple bricks is marketing is atrocious and it's hardly it's non-existent. But it must have created a suitable foundation because they simply are the biggest one brand one brand estate agency with four five three four five percent of the market with rubbish marketing. You must have done something good, so you must be chuffed with that. Are you saying all of our marketing was always rubbish? No. <laughs> what I'm saying is that is that their marketing their, their current marketing is rubbish. In, in the fact that there, it's hardly, it's a few Facebook adverts and a few Google adverts. It's not the TV adverts or anything like that, which obviously catapulted you up. At the end of the day, I think we're, we're, we never look back, uh, other than to try and learn from uh, situations that we found ourselves in. And would you say anything different? Or? No, I'd probably, I'd probably echo those views. Yeah. Okay. okay, let's move on. Uh, and this is quite a nice segue in. Is, is that, um, uh, the, there is some animosity to 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 the pair of you, especially the and mainly him. Mainly him. Yeah, yeah. he deserves it anyway. Mainly okay. him. He's got more money than me, so he has to put up with it. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and again, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of the commissary advert because we've already done that advert. And if someone wants to watch it, go back on my YouTube channel and watch it. We're not raking up over that because that's old news. But the simple fact is, is that a lot of people accuse you guys of ruining UK estate agency with cheap fees, which I'm going to defend you here. If you look at the actual proper stats, the actual logic, it's a load of rubbish, okay? You might disagree with me, and if you disagree with me, then send me an email, christopher at christopherwatkin.co.uk, and I will send you the facts which prove that Purple Bricks have nothing to do with the fee. The fees were dropping eight years before, and if you actually will look at the, I don't know if you, I'm sure, sure you're aware of this, but the national, National Home Movers Survey, which was done by Property Academy, shows the average fee every single year from 2006 to today. And you guys coming in in 14 made no difference whatsoever. It's been on a, it's been on. A, but I think you're just the bogeyman. So let's let's crack on. Yes, yeah, let's crack on. He's <laughs> the bogeyman. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, I'll shoulder it off. Yeah, Don't yeah, worry. Good, 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 fine. How do you deal with the abuse and and? I hate to use the word, but the hate on certain platforms. Um, at the end of the day, uh, I can understand people having a strong opinion around uh, different aspects of what we've done, uh, and that's absolutely fine. Um, and we always face up to that with people who want to engage with us, and that's absolutely fine. I think where uh, certainly people who do get to know us, do engage with us, do spend time with us, get to know the real us, because ultimately at the end of the day, 
if you were to accept that we are what people sometimes write about us, then you would be mental to engage with us at all. Um, so the way we deal with it is I don't read it the only time that I find I, I don't read it because I don't want it to impact my uh, day because if it impacts my day, it impacts everybody else's day and everybody else doesn't deserve to have their day impacted by any comments someone might make. I suppose the only time that it's slightly strange is when your children tell you about it. So your children read about it and they say, Dad, do you realise that someone said this or someone said that and should, should you not be defending yourself and things like that? And I just you know, try to educate them to ignore it. I'm slightly more emotional, so I do read it, and uh, I do. I don't get affected by it, but I do read it, and I have the same view that I've got two wonderful sons uh, who um, are of the age where they do read this stuff. One of them works in the business at Boomin, and it is a, is a constant avid reader of the stories that go out there and the comments. I'm willing to have a debate and discussion with anyone about what we've done, what we're willing to do in the future, uh, what we've achieved, what we haven't achieved, what things we've done right, what, what mistakes we've made. Um, but I'd like to do that debate either face-to-face -face or knowing who I'm debating with. I think the aliases are a little bit unfair to, to have a situation where they can hide behind an alias. If you've got a view and opinion and that view is strong, very happy to engage and, and discuss it and debate it and, and, fairness, and agree to disagree if that's the case. We know of many people who have had similar sort of abuse and, you know, it's very sad to see how it, it impacts them, how it impacts uh, their confidence, how it impacts their persona, how it indirectly impacts their family, how it impacts their future. And I think, that, you know, the vast majority of estate agents that we meet are genuine people. They're kind, they're professional, they're supportive. Um, and I suppose the biggest thing that I can say that annoys me is that anyone could ever think that they are, that any of those comments are reflective of the quality of people that there is across the industry because they genuinely nothing at all Agreed. like them. Agreed. Um, what I will say to the camera is, is that uh, through Agents Together I, I have a meeting with these guys once a week and I've got to know these very, very well. It's nearly two years now, isn't it? Yeah. Really? yeah. Uh, and uh, we've had some quite heated, in the early on in our relationship, we had some heated discussions over the phone. But I'll tell you here and now, if you actually get to know them, they're actually decent people. Well, we hope so. We come from, we come from, look, our, our parents okay. were good people, our grandparents were good people, our sisters are good people. We come from a, a good background. And I suppose one of the reasons why I went back to Larn to buy the football club and help the town was because actually in the environment we grew up, it was all about keep your feet on the floor. And there's a statement in Northern Ireland where they say, don't forget the bowl you're baked in, i.e. don't get above your station. So we try very hard not to make okay. sure that, that, that that's anything we would do. Do you think... Do you think it just comes down to the fact is, is that people were looking for someone to blame and to be honest with you, you were the one. You just oh, happened well. because you put your head above the parapet, you put purple bricks, you went down the cheap fee route. Sorry, inexpensive. Still think you should have charged more. That's another story for another date. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, uh, look, at the end of the day, uh, we just did what, you know, hundreds and hundreds of others were doing just made more noise and perhaps were a little bit more okay. lucky about the outcome we got from it and therefore you know more people had more to say about it I mean in the time that we uh, were engaged around purple bricks you know 
there were far more estate agents opened up locally to compete against the other agent next door, far more other yeah. uh, online agents coming out and building off the back of that. So, you know, we were just one small tiny element of it. We were just a bit noisier than other people. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. If you were to go back and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Probably not to work with Michael, I think, would be the money <laughs> joking. Uh, you can now tell them. You know, I, probably, I probably would have worked more harder academically. I still would have got into property, but I'd love to have been able to construct a lovely email or a lovely letter, or I'd love to be able to be able to read a contract and be able to offer a view on it. Those type of academic things, I think I would have loved to have had a greater knowledge and understanding of. So, But I still love the industry I'm in, and I've been able to achieve in an industry without having that element but I probably would have done a bit more on that side. Um, it would definitely be spend more time with my family because, um, you know, like the point I made at the outset, that, um, you know, when you go down the roads, we go down, you know, I wake up in the morning, at, sat in my office from four o'clock in the morning through to seven o'clock at night every day. Um, and, you know, you don't get to see your kids grow up in the same way. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have two smaller ones now who I have been able to watch grow up um, the other three older ones are amazing but they didn't get anywhere near the level of time and attention that the, the two smaller ones now get. What have you done to try and make that up to the other children, the older children? Uh, we, we, we get on like a house on fire so they're like friends uh, you know we... How old are they? Um, uh, so I've got five children of uh, various ages starting from what the eldest is 26 so um, you had them young, didn't you? Uh, second year of university, so that really sort of focused your mind around hard work and trying to do, <laughs> try, trying to actually pay uh, for their upkeep. And then uh, Joe is uh, twenty-one, um, uh, Theo is seventeen. So they're the three younger one, uh, older ones, and then the two young ones, uh, Eva Rose, who's nine, and uh, little Maisie Grace, who's about twenty months. See, if I'd have been academic, I'd have answered the question like that, you see, that's the difference. I.e. spending more time with your family, because I'll now get crucified by my family about that. So well done, Michael. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, I've got two, two, three children. Uh, I've got two boys, George, who's tw 21 years of age, turning 22 very, very soon. He works as a business analyst in Booming. He did a little bit of work in the estate agency and got involved in property when I was at Purple Bricks. Loved it, really enjoyed it and he's now working in technology, but his understanding of estate agents has really helped him develop his skill as a business analyst, and he's doing a fantastic job, and I'm super proud of him. Thomas, uh, who is 20, 21 as well, uh, he is a personal trainer. He was at Portsmouth as a young scholar, professional footballer, got a bad knee injury, he's now turned his attention to strength conditioning and those types of things. Remarkable young man. And I have Kira, who is eight, uh, and is probably more of a handful than the two boys, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, yeah having a, a different dynamic, having a girl in the house than having two boys. And, and if I had your both wives on the on the sofa, what would what would you what would they say if, if they hope more from you? Because if you're working four till seven, that you know that sounds like a workaholic to me. Just, just before you answer that, you'll have more fun if you had them two on the sofa. <laughs> I mean, we were out in Australia once and they were flying over with the two young girls because Maisie wasn't born then. She had Eva Rose and Kira and they were on the Emirates business class and they had the hats on behind the bar and they drank the whole way. So they, you'd have more fun with them on the sofa than you would mm. me and him. What would, they, what would they hope you did more of? Because 
you know, you, you work. It sounds like you work workaholics. How do you balance? How do you balance that? Because I know you go on holiday. You go some nice holidays, pair of you. Yeah, I, I I go on holiday firstly to avoid divorce. Um, so I go on holiday <laughs> quite often to uh, be in a different destination. It doesn't matter. Yeah, to but me. you still work there. I still work there. The only thing that's uh, sort of pissed me off slightly is whoever invented Zoom. I'd like to meet them one day because. Now, in the past, you could go on holiday, you had a phone and a laptop, and you could you, you made that work. And then somebody invented video. So now you've got to take a shirt and a jacket with you. <laughs> so you sat in a pair of shorts underneath. Can't, can't you switch off? Can you not just have well, a weekend? Well, I don't, think, I don't think it's possible, really. Any, any person who's trying to grow a business would probably tell you that it isn't. It's very difficult to try and get the balance right between time with family and trying to grow a business. The reality is, the businesses that me and Michael have been involved in, they're part of the family. So they're just, they're there all constantly all the time, just like your children and, and, and your wives. They're just part of the family. They're there all the time. They're constantly on your mind. Yeah. You're constantly being aware of it. So even when you do spend time and the short space of time you do spend with your family, you are thinking about the business and thinking about where it's going and what it's I doing. I think it's also important to be honest with uh, your family about what you're trying to do and get their buy-in to it because you know lots of people have a focus on what they want to do they go running at it like a train and actually forget about the people at home and when they get home and the people at home are saying well where are you what you've been doing you know they're saying that because they don't know the journey they don't know the objective you're trying to get to so the first thing is to sit down and, and really get them engaged in what you're trying to do and then they really play a massive part in trying to you know, push that forward. So but your that's, ladies, that's, that's your ladies have got your back, backs. Correct. That's right. great oh, advice to any, to any young entrepreneur. Get your partner, your life partner, somebody, your family, whoever it may be, involved in that vision, that focus. Yeah, okay. Because collectively what you can achieve together is far greater than what you can do on your own if they're not part of what you're trying to achieve. So I think that's really good advice. And earlier on, you talked about people who had influenced your life, the pair of you, and we've talked specifically, very specifically, about your, your mum and your dad and your grandparents. But externally from the family, who, who's, who's made a significant difference on your business? Ant-Man personally. Um, I mean, every single person that we engage with personally has a big influence. Um, they all play a big part in each other's success. Um, I think I have lots of people who have been, uh, mentored me. Nick Discombe still does it. He was our former chairman and then senior non-exec. Um, we have a number of people, really, who support us in that way, aren't they? Yeah, there's a huge number of people that throughout our business lives, from a very young age right through to where we are today, whether it's your first legal role with Steve, who's with us today in terms of yep. that type of thing, or whether it's some of the people I'm involved with. So, yeah, we've, we've, we've got amazing support group of people that we've worked with in the past who certainly certainly should share in some of the success we've had because it's thank, definitely thanks to, to their, yeah, to their all, mentorship yeah. and their support. So you both shook up the property industry with Purple Bricks, um, and now you're the brains behind you know, the client-first, agent-focused property platform portal Boomin. Um, many agents are fearful or reticent to join Boomin for that reason. What would your response be to that? Well, I can understand people being um, reticent. Um, all, all I'd say is come and get to know us. 
uh, reach out. We'll happily uh, meet people, discuss uh, things with people, build relationships with them, and at the time that they think that they're sufficiently confident around our uh, integrity to support them on their journey with what we're doing, then we'd welcome them with open arms. But, you know, for some people, they jump on straight away, some people sit on the fence, some people don't at all, and, you know, that's part and parcel. We can't rewrite history. All we can do is, is, is write uh, what we're doing now and hope that people, when they see what we're doing now, see it's genuine and, and uh, you know, um, uh, they'll, they'll benefit from it. And I can't say that we're best placed, but I think we're well placed to disrupt uh, and do something in this particular area of the industry. I think that the, the technology we've learned how to build, how to innovate during our time at Purple Bricks and slightly before, I think building brand and creating creative advertising and media to be able to try and create a brand, I think we've got really good experience of that. And clearly 27 years in the industry, knowing property, knowing estate agents, knowing consumers. So I think those three things would definitely well place us with the team we have uh, to be able to make a real good fist of trying to disrupt and help and support consumers and agents alike. I mean, do you think that Britain's needs another portal? No. No, definitely not. But that's not what we set out on our journey to be. But that's I mean, what everyone's perception is. You know, very soon you're going to start charging and people's perception or their, their judgment is, is on the number of leads they, they, they get from you. It is, I mean, okay, so let's answer the question. Do we need another portal? And is it fair to make a judgment on a portal on the number of leads you get? Reality is, we don't, one, we don't need another portal. That's not what we set out on the journey to be. Um, we we uh, wanted to be something that's much more than that, and a portal is just one small element of that overall experience and journey and objective. Two, I think, um, deciding on the success or otherwise of a portal by leads alone is underestimating the importance of the investment you're making, uh, whether that's in a portal or whether that's booming or anything, because. You know, portals have done nothing with the greatest respect to try and increase transaction volume in our market in the time they've been in existence. And that's not for any other reason than the model that they've created is such that they need the oxygen of a live listing in order to create anything. Whereas if you're a great negotiator that sat in a branch, you don't have that oxygen of that live listing, you've got to create. And therefore, in order for us to advance the cause for agents, build more transactions, get more people engaged in the industry, you've got to go back before a live listing and start to really try and create something back there. So that's why everything that we're trying to do is to try and generate more activity, whether that's through SmartVal, getting people engaging more earlier, getting them uh, engaging with agents, so, because when agents get engagement, they create markets, they create activity off the back of it. If it's property playground, it's encouraging and supporting those people who are still very early passive in their journey to get active. It's about getting people then into, you know, going into a secret property, which is about just ensuring that um, those valuations that are taking place will generate interest and activity off the back of them, like they would if they rang the NEG. The NEG would tell them, I've got oh, I went out to two valuations, so let me see if I can try and get you around there. So it's about creating activity. And portals in a low infantry market do very little to create real activity off the back of it.
because all they do advertise, throw all the stuff over the fence to the agent and expect them to do it all. And you have to work harder to deliver an outcome for them. And that's the stock issue that we have, is because people aren't being invited into the market. People are setting up a property alert, they're waiting for the ideal house to be alerted on their telephone, Punch. and the problem is nothing's coming to the market, so they're not being alerted. So that's it's becoming a, a problem and an issue. So if you look at the 20CI data that was released last week in the estate agent today, they said that just under 6% of properties sold with the second agent last year. The reality is the change in the industry is going to be is that effort and determination you put in to try and canvas and prospect something that's on the market, if they put that effort in at the front end to build relationships and engage with customers before they're ready to come to the market, that, that will pay off for them significantly higher than the effort they put in when something's on the market. And all of our features are designed to aid an agent to build those relationships early and connect and because convince the, balance, the, the seller to come on the Just market. think about uh, the balance with Portwolf because what they've done is taken what was all the agent's audience because before portals existed, they'd, walk in. They, they'd have to walk in, they'd right. have to phone up, they'd engage. So they've taken a big proportion of that audience. We estimate about 70% of that audience now. They've taken and they've shifted them to a database because people go to a portal, they do a search, they create an alert, and they sit there and wait. And they wait for the oxygen of a live listing before they engage. If they engaged with an agent, though, that agent would be bringing and supporting them into the market, creating more transactions. So we have to find an answer to unlock this 70% of people so that agents get access so they can support more transactions. And lots of agents are doing it, Chris. Lots of uh, more smaller and regional uh, agents are doing where they're advertising their listings on social media, having a bit more control of it, offering it out to their sellers that are looking to buy in their areas to try and complete the change. So these things are happening in certain pockets. What you need is you need to educate the consumer that they should be engaging with agents much sooner in their decision-making journey. What would your message be to the people say who just say, I've had no leads from, from Boomin, I'm not going to pay them the money? What would your message be to those people, those agents? At the end of the day, everything that we are creating and have created is very much dependent upon how you engage with it. So if those people that are engaging the most with it are getting the greatest outcomes. When you say engage, are we talking about actually using all the functions like secret property and, and smart yes. power and all that malarkey? Without that. Because, I mean, if you, if you use smart valve today, then it's generating thousands of instructions, thousands of sales off the back of smart valve. Secret property. Taking a valuation and telling the world where that valuation is taking place, inviting those people that are interested in a low infantry market. For those people who are posting a secret property advert, they're getting on average 10.2 people register their interest against it. 62% of a house to sell. So six out of 10 opportunities of one valuation booked for an agent to try and entice those six people into the market in a way that they wouldn't get access to. So, so kind of, are you saying that if you're an estate agent and all you do is whack your listings on booming, then you're probably not worth the £300 a month or whatever it is. But if you actually engage with it, use all the tool, the extra tools, which may turn it from a portal to a business generation machine, then you are worth the money. Well, it's clear to say that the, 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 the just advertising properties, okay. that's successfully done by a number of other players in the market.
So there's no well, point in doing... Well, the reality is what we have to do is create features and engagement with, between consumers and agents that not only increases the number of people in the market, but gets them to engage with agents much sooner in their decision-making journey. And those agents that are engaging and completing all of their smart valves and creating all of the secret properties and then nurturing and engaging with those customers are uh, creating significant value. But to, Fact. to be clear, though, firstly... To make use of the features, it is a myth that you have got a load of work to do. It's just not the case. 30 seconds. Most of what we create happens instantly. It doesn't need any agent's material engagement. The only things that need some element of engagement are smart valve and secret property, which takes 30 seconds out of their time to create. But if you take that 30 seconds and it creates 10 people who register six of a house to sell, that's an amazing return on that 30 seconds. Second thing to bear in mind is that in order to have a profitable relationship with Booming, on average in London, if you have one transaction from us a year, and that's taken into account all of what we've created, you've got to believe we can do one transaction, and that is smart valve, secret property, sneak peek, matchmaker, chain maker, mortgage maker, plus what we're already creating. If you take all of those things into account, and you own, we're saying you'll do materially higher, but one transaction in London will be equivalent to two and a half years of what you pay us. On average, outside London, you know, one and a bit, 1.25 of a transaction is equivalent to one year of what you would pay us. So, in terms of uh, having a profitable relationship, for those who are engaging with the features, they're getting the biggest returns 10, 20, 30 time return. On what they invest. Do you think you're getting that message across? Are you training your the, the agents enough? Well, I think I think we, clearly it takes longer than ten months to educate everybody. We probably I have to say underestimated uh, the effort that it might take to be able to get everyone to adopt because they're clearly very busy agents at the present time, and we probably didn't have enough account managers to to start with. We've now significantly or in the process of significantly yes. increasing our numbers of account managers to be able to make sure there are more people available to help and assist. But also we're looking at the training angle far more deeply and we're working with some real good industry specialists that are going to help us to be able to get that message out there uh, to our agents and be on, uh, on hand and available to support them to we be are able doing, to take advantage of our features fully. We are doing webinars every day though now. We're, we're doing town halls every so, day. Yeah. You know, with agents where you know, a big number of agents come on and we can... Go through all of this sort of stuff, but but the sheer number of engagements we're getting on the likes of SmartVal for consumers, and the level of engagement we're getting from consumers on secret property, just those two in particular, are definitely features that are here to stay in this industry. The idea that a consumer might start their journey on a digital valuation tool rather than on a uh, digital plus human being tool okay. to start there to get a more accurate indication to connect with agent to me seems like a really sensible idea. I mean, aren't you surprised that the others haven't jumped on this wagon? The others is in right move, super on the market. Um, Look, at the end of the day, um, the fundamentals of why we've done what we've done here is to try and genuinely create innovation that supports agents in a different way. Yeah. And I'm not being disrespectful to the other Paul's when I say this, but their mindset comes from a world of classified advertising. That's where they were born out of. Digital adverts created, that was the world. Just wipe the stock out. And then... Digital newspapers. Correct. Correct. Well, it was that. That's the world, that's where it came from. And therefore, as a result of that, they digitalised your newspaper, 
And then everything's about advertising. Another banner, another profile page. All of these things that don't add any real value. They don't increase transaction volume. They don't give you more outcomes. So what you've got to do is change the mindset. They've got to change from being a classified advertising site into a site that wants to innovate in an interesting and engaging way. And that's what we're trying to do over here, um, that they would have to reinvent themselves in many ways to truly do it in the right way. Agreed. Before we finish, um, I'd like to say on behalf of the industry, thank you, the pair of you, for the time and the money invested in agents together. I've interviewed you and checked back on my YouTube channel. A lot of people said at the start that it was a, a backdoor way to get your name out there and people to love you. And I can say for the record that um, he's actually, he does turn up, he does do the hard work. Yeah. And you do as well. Thank so you thank you. Um, because if it was a whim, you'd have dropped it years, you'd have dropped it within a few months, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's been fantastic. I mean, it's phenomenal in terms of uh, what that organisation is delivering for the, the mental well-being of people across our industry, how it's giving them a different mindset, different set of thoughts. Um, it's helping people get through, go from just getting through the day to being really successful, to opening their own businesses, to, 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 to going on and doing, doing interesting things. And, and I love uh, sitting there and mentoring people because when I mentor them, the last thing we talk about is, is work. We talk about them and you know where, where have they got to through their history because their history is creating their future and therefore try and help and support them through so they'd get real benefit from it. And I can see that across all mentors that they're getting a real lot of excitement out of doing it, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's one of the finest things that I've ever been involved in. I think Sam Offley and Sarah Edmondson and all of the founding members, as well as all the mentors, have done a remarkable job in, I think, offering that support. And the great thing about it is most people would assume that just the mentees are getting benefit. Actually, me as a mentor, I've had a lot of benefit myself personally yeah, in the mentees I've worked with. A um, wide variety of people who are all brilliant. I've made friends with them. They're friends of mine now. But the reality is it's given me an opportunity in my busy world to stop, to sharpen the saw, to think about what I'm going to talk about, to think about what we're engaged with. They're stimulating things in my mind that I would never have thought of. So I think it's been it's a, a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic initiative and well done to all of those that have been involved in a remarkable job. I certainly want to say thank you to the pair of you, thank you to all the founders, uh, and particularly big thank yous to to Sarah Edmondson driving. You, you fell on your feet with her, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Right. she was You she really was did. Okay. Um, and obviously Sam Offley, who, who basically is the relationship manager, or as we like to call him, the Silver Black. Yeah, he's great too. You know, you've, you, we've done over 500... Uh, I think we're just about to hit 500. If not, we'll, we'll find out tonight when we when we do our call. But to, you've changed a thousand people's lives, and I can remember receiving that phone call around the 20th of March, thinking I've got got a message. Can't remember who it was from. It was one of you. Mike. And I thought, what the hell does he want? Can I remind the camera of what you said? <laughs> Go on. So in the first the first session that we had, Chris said, if we can only change one person's lives, 
And if we've had an influence, all of us together, over a thousand people's lives, that's fantastic. But you said if we can just change one person's life, it'll be worthwhile getting on these calls and doing the work we're doing, which is fantastic. Well, we have a, for your information, we have a once a week, one hour session. Um, it's at a totally inappropriate time, five th uh, <laughs> Monday evening, but when we're all busy. But at the end of the day, it just make just lovely to help someone change their life. Isn't it? I, I, we did a podcast recently with uh, Spencer Lawrence from Paramount Properties. And Michael, when he met him at Agents giving an um, uh, e evening at Epsom Racecourse, Spencer said how much he was enjoying the Agents Together yeah. uh, mentorships. And, and people I've spoken to that he's mentored, mentored sorry, have said how remarkable he is in terms of... So he's fundamentally changed his mindset and yeah. thinking well, around yeah. stuff. Uh, he, he's a damn good agent. So yeah, I mean, if you are interested, just go to the Agents Together website. Uh, if you are an established estate agent, become a mentor. Um, and but also consider being a mentee as well and whether you are a, a negotiator value a manager area manager it doesn't matter if you're involved in the property industry then certainly it is an amazing organization uh, that will change your life and change someone else's life won't agreed it? yeah and if the camera picked up that bell there that must be your next interview is it well we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that um, <laughs> uh, on behalf of the industry thank you very much for your time and trouble today on, my, on a personal level thank you for coming in um, I've enjoyed it, and I hope you guys out there in estate agency land have learned to know and get to know these guys a little bit better. Um, I do class them as friends, and I hope you've learned a lot from them. So thank you for your time today, gentlemen. It's an absolute thank pleasure. You. Thank you.